Good evening. You're listening to Wikisleep, a podcast designed to help you relax and unwind through calm, quiet storytelling. I'm your host and founder of the podcast, Adrian Sala. Before we get into this story about English singer, songwriter, and cultural icon George Michael, I wanted to let you know that the Wikisleep app is now available for both Apple and Android devices. The app has more to offer than these stories, including a growing catalogue of ambient and white noise, meditations, and other fun sleep content. It's entirely ad-free and free to try out for a month. Simply go to wikisleep.com, where there are easy links to quickly download it and get started. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this abbreviated version of the life and times of George Michael. To find the full episode, just head to the app at wikisleep.com Tonight, I'm going to read to you about George Michael, an English singer, songwriter, and record producer who is considered one of the most significant cultural icons of the MTV generation and is one of the best-selling musicians of all time, with sales of over 120 million records worldwide. As we get started, I suggest taking a deep breath, settling in, and, if you're able, allowing yourself to let go of whatever is on your mind for the next 30 to 40 minutes. Simply breathe, relax, and enjoy. George Michael, whose real name was Georgius Caracas Paniotu, was born on June 25, 1963, in East Finchley. His father was a restaurateur who emigrated from Patriki, Cyprus, to England in the 1950s. His mother, Leslie Angold, was an English dancer, and he had two sisters, Ioda and Melanie. His maternal grandmother was Jewish, but she married a non-Jewish man and raised her children with no knowledge of their Jewish background due to her fear during World War II. Michael spent most of his childhood in Kingsbury, London, in the home his parents bought soon after his birth. But when he was in his early teens, the family moved to Radlett. There, 
He attended Bushy Mead's school, where he befriended his future Wham partner, Andrew Ridgely. The two had the same career ambition of being musicians. As a teenager, Michael busked on the London Underground, performing songs such as 39 by Queen. His involvement in the music business began with his working as a DJ, playing at clubs and local schools around Bushy, Stanmore, and Watford. This was followed by the formation of a short-lived ska band called The Executive that never went far but brought more attention to the rising stars of George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Around this time, Michael legally changed his name to George Michael as he felt it was more accessible to fans. And he formed the duo Wham! with Ridgely in 1981. The band's first album, Fantastic, reached number one in the UK in 1983 and produced a series of top ten singles including Young Guns, Wham Rap, and Club Tropicana. Their second album, Make It Big, reached number one on the charts in the U.S. Singles from that album included Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, Freedom, Everything She Wants, and the massive hit Careless Whisper, which reached number one in nearly 25 countries, including the UK and US, and was Michael's first solo credit as a single. Michael performed on the original 1984 Band-Aid recording of Do They Know It's Christmas? and he appeared third on the song after Paul Young and Boy George sing their lines. The charity song became the UK Christmas number one, and Michael also donated the profits from Last Christmas and Everything She Wants to charity. In 1985, he received his first of three Ivor Novello Awards for Songwriter of the Year from the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers, and Authors. In July of that year, he sang Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with Elton John at Live Aid at Wembley Stadium in London. Wham's tour of China in April 1985, the first to visit China by a Western Popular Music Act, generated worldwide media coverage, much of it centered on Michael. 
The headline in the Chicago Tribune read, East meets Wham and another great wall comes down. Before Wham's appearance in China, many kinds of music in the country were forbidden. The band's manager, Simon Napier Bell, had spent 18 months trying to convince Chinese officials to let the duo play. The audience included members of the Chinese government and Chinese television presenter Ken Lejun who was the onstage host, saying, No one had ever seen anything like that before. All the young people were amazed and everybody was tapping their feet. Of course, the police weren't happy and they were scared there would be riots. With the success of Michael's solo singles, Careless Whisper, and A Different Corner, Rumors of an impending breakup of Wham intensified. The duo officially separated in 1986 after releasing a farewell single, The Edge of Heaven, and a farewell compilation, The Final, plus a cello concert at Wembley Stadium. In late 1987, Michael released his debut solo album, Faith. The first single released from the album was I Want Your Sex in mid-1987. The song was banned by many radio stations in the UK and US due to its sexually suggestive lyrics. But MTV broadcast the video, featuring celebrity makeup artist Kathy Jung in a basque and suspenders, only during the late hours of the night. Michael argued that the act was beautiful if the sex was monogamous, and he recorded a brief prologue for the video in which he said, this song is not about casual sex. One of the racier scenes involved Michael writing the words explore monogamy on his partner's back and lipstick. When I Want Your Sex reached the U.S. charts, American Top 40 host Casey Kasem refused to say the song's title referring to it only as the new single by George Michael. The album topped the UK albums chart, and in the US, it had 51 non-consecutive weeks in the top 10 of the Billboard 200, including 12 weeks at number one. And in 1988, George Michael embarked on a world tour In Los Angeles, he was joined on stage by Aretha Franklin for I Knew You Were Waiting For Me, 
It was the second highest grossing event of 1988, earning $17.7 million. At the Brit Awards that year, held at the Royal Albert Hall in February, Michael received the first of his two awards for Best British Male Solo Artist. Later that month, Faith won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year at the 31st Grammy Awards. However, according to Michael in his film A Different Story, Success didn't make him happy, and he started to believe there was something wrong in being an idol for millions of teenage girls. At this point, he hadn't publicly shared information about his sexuality, though those close to him knew that he considered himself bisexual. This internal struggle and the whole process of promotion videos, tours, and awards left him exhausted, lonely, and frustrated, and far from his friends and family. As a result, in 1990, he told his record company Sony that for his second album, he didn't want to do promotions like the one for Faith. The album... Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1 was released in September 1990. Later in 1991, Michael embarked on the cover-to-cover -cover tour in Japan, England, the US, and Brazil, where he performed at Rock in Rio. The tour wasn't a proper promotion of Listen Without Prejudice. Rather, it featured Michael singing his favorite cover songs. Among his favorites were Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, a 1974 song by Elton John. An expected follow-up album, Listen Without Prejudice Volume 2, was scrapped due to a lawsuit that developed with Sony. Instead of writing songs for the label, Michael donated three songs to the charity project Red Hot and Dance for the Red Hot organization which raised money for AIDS awareness. On April 20th, 1992, Michael performed with Queen at the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert at Wembley Stadium. The concert was a tribute to the life of the late Queen frontman and his friend, Freddie Mercury, with the proceeds going to AIDS research. Michael later reflected, saying, it was probably the proudest moment for me of my career, because it was me living out a childhood fantasy, I suppose. To sing one of Freddie's songs in front of 80,000 people.
during November 1994, after a long period of seclusion, Michael appeared at the first MTV Music Award show, where he gave a performance of a new song, Jesus to a Child. The song was a melancholy tribute to his lover, Anselmo Filippa, who had died of an AIDS-related illness in March of 1993. The exact identity of the song's subject and the nature of Michael's relationship with Filippa was shrouded in innuendo and speculation, as Michael had still not yet publicly confirmed he was gay. Ladies and gentlemen, The Best of George Michael, released in 1998, was Michael's first solo greatest hits collection. It was released through Sony Music Entertainment as a condition of severing contractual ties with the label. Ladies and gentlemen, was a success. It peaked at number one on the UK Albums Chart and stayed there for eight weeks, and is the 45th best-selling album of all time in the UK. In the year 2000, Michael worked on the hit single, If I Told You That, with Whitney Houston. His next single was Shoot the Dog, which was released in July 2002 during the lead-up to the 2003 invasion of Iraq. The video for the song showed British Prime Minister Tony Blair as George Bush's poodle. In February of 2003, Michael recorded another song in protest against the looming war, Don McLean's The Grave. The original was written by McLean in 1971 and was a protest against the Vietnam War. Michael performed the song on numerous TV shows including Top of the Pops and So Graham Norton. George Michael's fifth studio album, Patience, was released in 2004. It was critically acclaimed and went to number one on the UK Albums Chart. It became one of the fastest selling albums in the UK, selling over 200,000 copies in the first week alone. On April 7, 1988, Michael was arrested for engaging in a lewd act in a public restroom of the Will Rogers Memorial Park in Beverly Hills, California. He was arrested by undercover policeman Marcelo Rodriguez in a sting operation. In an MTV interview, he later stated, 
I got followed into the restroom and then this cop. I didn't know it was a cop, obviously. He started playing this game, which I think is called I'll show you mine, you show me yours, and then when you show me yours, I'm going to nick you. Michael's sexual orientation became publicly known following the arrest. He later said that hiding his sexuality made him feel fraudulent, and his eventual outing when he was arrested was a subconscious, deliberate act. After pleading no contest to the charge, he was fined $810 and sentenced to 80 hours of community service. Soon afterward, he made a video for his single outside, which satirized the public toilet incident and featured men dressed as policemen kissing. The cop who arrested him, Rodriguez, claimed that the video mocked him and that Michael had slandered him in the interviews. In 1999, he brought a $10 million court case in California against the singer. The court eventually ruled that Rodriguez, as a public official, could not legally recover damages for emotional distress. When Michael appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show in May of 2004 to promote the album Patience, he performed Amazing along with his classic songs Father Figure and Faith. On the show, he spoke of his arrest, the public revelation of his homosexuality, and his resumption of his public performances. He stated that his early fantasies were about women, saying, It led me to believe I was on the path to heterosexuality, but at puberty I started to fantasize about men, which he later said had something to do with his environment. At the age of 19, he had told his bandmate in Wham, Andrew Ridgely, that he was bisexual. He also told one of his two sisters, but he was advised not to tell his parents about his sexuality. In a 1999 interview with The Advocate, Michael told the editor-in-chief, Judy Wider, that it was falling in love with a man that ended his conflict over bisexuality. He said, I never had a moral problem with being gay. I thought I had fallen in love with a woman a couple of times. Then I fell in love with a man, and I realized that none of those things had been love. In 2007, Michael said he had hidden his sexuality because of worries over what effect it might have on his mother, and later added, my depression at the end of Wham! 
was because I was beginning to realize I was gay, not bisexual. During the late 80s, he had a relationship with makeup artist Kathy Jung, who was regarded for a time as his artistic muse and who appeared in the I Want Your Sex video. Michael later said that she had been his only bona fide girlfriend and that she knew of his bisexuality. Then, in 1992, Michael established a relationship with Anselmo Filepa, a Brazilian dress designer who he had met at the Rock and Rio concert in 1991. Sadly, six months into their relationship, Filepa discovered that he was HIV positive. Michael later said, it was terrifying news. I thought I could have the disease too. I couldn't go through it with my family because I didn't know how to share it with them. They didn't even know I was gay. In 1993, Filepa died of an AIDS-related brain hemorrhage. In 1996, Michael entered into a long-term relationship with Kenny Goss, a former flight attendant, cheerleading coach, and sportswear executive from Dallas, Texas. They had a home in Dallas, a 16th century house in Goring-on-Thames, Oxfordshire, and an $8 million mansion in Highgate, North London. In late November 2005, it was reported that Michael and Goss planned to register their relationship as a civil partnership in the UK, but because of negative publicity in his upcoming tour, they postponed their plans. On August 22, 2011, the opening night of his Symphonica World Tour, Michael announced that he and Goss had split two years earlier. In 2012, he began a relationship with Fadi Fawaz, a Lebanese-Australian celebrity hairstylist and freelance photographer based in London that would last on and off until his death. Throughout his life, Michael struggled with substance abuse. In February 2006, he was arrested for possession of Class C drugs, an incident that he described as my own stupid fault, as usual. He was cautioned by the police and released.
In 2007, he pleaded guilty to drug-impaired driving after obstructing the road at traffic lights in Cricklewood in northwest London and was subsequently banned from driving for two years and sentenced to community service. In the early hours of July 4, 2010, he was returning from the Gay Pride Parade when he was spotted on CCTV crashing his car into the front of a Snappy Snap store in Hampstead, North London, and was arrested on suspicion of being unfit to drive. On August 12th, London's Metropolitan Police said he was charged with possession of cannabis and with driving while unfit through drink or drugs. It was also reported that Michael had been taking prescription antidepressants. On September 14th, 2010, Michael was sentenced to eight weeks in prison a fine, and a five-year ban from driving. He was released from High Point Prison in Suffolk on October 11, 2011, after serving four weeks. Some years earlier, in September 2007, on BBC Radio 4's Desert Island Discs, Michael said that his cannabis use was a problem. He wished he could smoke less of it and was constantly trying to do so. He then said later, in an interview with The Guardian, that he had cut back on cannabis and was smoking only 7 or 8 spliffs per day instead of the 25 he had formerly smoked. He also admitted to abusing sleeping pills. On October 26, 2011, Michael cancelled his performance at the Royal Albert Hall in London due to a viral infection. Then, in November of that year, Vienna General Hospital admitted him after he complained of chest pains while at a hotel two hours before his performance there for his Symphonica tour. He appeared to be in good spirits and responded well to treatment following his admittance. But on November 25th, hospital officials said that his condition had worsened overnight. The singer was later confirmed to have suffered from pneumonia and, until December 1st, was in an intensive care unit, and at one point, he was comatose. After waking from the coma, he had a temporary West Country accent, and there was concern he had developed foreign accent syndrome. But it soon abated and on December 21st, he was discharged from the hospital. He told the press that he had undergone a tracheotomy and that the staff at the hospital had saved his life and that he would perform a free concert for them. In May of 2013, 
Michael sustained a head injury when he fell from his moving car on the M1 motorway near St. Albans in Hertfordshire and was airlifted to hospital. Two weeks later, his publicist confirmed that he had left the hospital and that his injuries were superficial. In 2014, Michael stated that he had refrained from using cannabis for one and a half years, but in June of 2015, he checked into a drug rehab facility in Switzerland. George Michael's father was a communist. At the age of 15, Michael joined the Young Communist League under his Greek name. During the time of Margaret Thatcher as the Conservative Prime Minister of the United Kingdom throughout the 1980s, Michael voted Labour. In September 1984, Wham performed at a benefit concert at London's Royal Festival Hall for the striking UK miners. In 2000, he joined Melissa Etheridge, Garth Brooks, Queen Latifah, the Pet Shop Boys, and KD Lang to perform in Washington, D.C. as part of Equality Rocks, a concert to benefit the Human Rights Campaign, an American LGBT rights group. George Michael was also a very giving person. In November 1984, he joined other British and Irish pop stars of the era to form Band-Aid, singing on the charity song Do They Know It's Christmas for famine relief in Ethiopia. In 1988, he participated in the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday tribute at Wembley Stadium in London together with many other singers, such as Annie Lennox and Singh, performing Sexual Healing. An LGBT rights campaigner and HIV-AIDS charity fundraiser, the proceeds from the 1991 single, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, were divided among ten different charities for children AIDS and education. He was also a patron of the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Following his death, Various charities revealed that Michael had privately supported them for many years. Those charities included Childline, to whom he had donated millions, the Terence Higgins Trust, and the Macmillan Cancer Support. 
He also donated directly to individuals. He once tipped a nursing student working as a barmaid 5,000 pounds because she was in debt. He also reportedly called the production team of the quiz show Deal or No Deal after a contestant revealed that she needed 15,000 pounds to fund IVF treatment and anonymously paid for the treatment. On January 3rd, 2017, another woman came forward and, with the permission of Michael's family, revealed he had anonymously paid for her IVF treatment after seeing her talk about her problems conceiving on an episode of This Morning in 2010. That woman gave birth to a baby girl in 2012. After his death, it was also revealed that he had been anonymously paying for an annual Christmas tree erected where he lived in Highgate, as well as funding the Christmas lights for the previous decade. He was the largest funder of Highgate's annual fair in the square for those 10 years, donating anonymously as a local resident. In 2015, according to the Sunday Times, George Michael was worth roughly 105 million pounds, roughly 150 million dollars today. In the early hours of Christmas Day 2016, George Michael died in bed at his home in Goring-on-Thames. He was found there by his partner, Fatty Fawaz. A senior coroner in Oxfordshire attributed his death to dilated cardiomyopathy with mycocarditis and a fatty liver. Owing to the delay in determining the cause of death, his funeral was held on March 29, 2017. In a private ceremony, he was buried at Highgate Cemetery in North London on one side of his mother's grave. His sister Melanie, who died exactly three years after him, is buried on the other side. George Michael was just 53 years old when he died. 